the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How many of us have sought after what God desires for us instead of what we desire for ourselves? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, Log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, and I entitled this message, Hoping for the Best. Have you ever hoped to be the best? A man or a woman who totally has it together? Because we all seem to know those certain people in life that have the golden touch. It's like everything they do just seems to work out. They have the nicest stuff. They hang out with the coolest people. They always go to the best places. Then, of course, there's, well, the rest of us. (laughs) And whatever we get is certainly not handed down to us on a golden platter because we have to work for everything that we have. There's no free handouts, you could say, in life. Well, if that's you, know this. You're not alone. That's why people have been put into different categories. What are those categories? The haves and the have-nots. Some are born financially to well-off families, while others were not. I learned early on that if I wanted something, nobody was just going to kick it down to me for free. I was going to have to work for it. I also learned it's not just how hard you work. It's also about how smart you work. Then once you've earned your wages, you have to learn how to spend it wisely. It's all about being a good steward of what God allows us to earn. Like we can get a great price on a car. Yes, I was aggressive with the salesman. We got it down to a a really aggressive price. But then did you work on the interest rates? Because you could get a good price on the car and then pay four or five points too high on the interest rate. So you you have to work all aspects of the deal, not just one part. I've also learned over the years that using credit cards can be convenient. In fact, I use them all the time. But if you don't pay them off at the end of each month, you could be paying thousands of dollars in interest in the year because of outrageous interest rates. That's why me and my wife, we pay cash for everything that we buy, except for a house in a car, but everything else is cash or we don't buy it. I haven't paid interest on a credit card in over 30 years, and we pay cash for everything. So we wait, like if we need a new dining room table, then we save up for it. If we need a new couch in the living room, we save up until we have it fully paid for that we can pay cash, and then we pay cash for it. So we don't just see it like it, buy it on credits. 
And if there's something that's really important, like wheels and tires on your new car, <laughs> we save up and pay cash for those too. So it's just like it's, we've disciplined ourselves to where we wait until we can do that. Yes, we can learn a lot when we're willing to learn. Yes, when we don't have an attitude of entitlement, when we don't have someone that will always bail us out when we get in over our head. I remember early on in my Christian life, I came across this verse in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, with good will, render service as unto the Lord and not unto men. Everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. And everything we do should be done that way. Lord, I'm doing this for you whatever your job is. Understand, if all of our work is done as if we were doing it to the Lord, then two things will certainly happen. Number one, you will please the Lord with your life because you're doing things for him. And number two, you will please everybody here. You'll please your boss. You'll be the first in line for a a raise. Why? Because you're doing your job right in your work card. Now, as we pick up here in our study through the book of Genesis, we left off last time with Jacob on the run. Now, he was done working for his father-in-law, Laban. He didn't even tell him that he was taking his daughters and his grandchildren away. Think about how sad that is. Laban, his father-in-law, had taken advantage of his son-in-law, Jacob, for so many years that Jacob was just done with him. You know, he was just, he had deceived him. He caused great misery in his life. He caused great misery in his daughter's lives. That is Laban is, uh, Leah and Rachel. That was their dad. And if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God working in Jacob's life, he would have had absolutely nothing to show for almost two decades of work for his father-in-law. Yet, As we saw last time, God blessed Jacob in spite of his father-in-law Laban. As you remember, Jacob had a dream about speckled and spotted sheep. So when Laban came and said, hey, you know, I think I should start paying you now. You've been working for me for like 20 years. So, hey, I'll start paying you now. I was like, oh, well, gee, that's mighty nice of you. But Jacob, because of this dream, said, hey, I don't want any money. Don't pay me any money. Just give me all the speckled and spotted sheep. So he made that deal with him. And that's all he wanted. Then what did the Lord do? He blessed all the animals and the majority of all the new births. Guess what? They all came out speckled and spotted. Amazing. Yes, the Lord blessed all of that. God used that now to turn Jacob from being a poor man that had nothing to a man that was with great wealth. Yes, 20 years, he had nothing to show for it. Then all of a sudden, God turned it all around. Yes, God's plan for Jacob was so much greater than Jacob's plans and all the deceptions that he used in his life to get himself forward here that we've read about. I wonder how many of us have had our own plans for the future. Like, you got your plans. Look, I got the plans here, you say. How many of us have sought after what God desires for us instead of? 
of what we desire for ourselves? That's a question. Let's not forget, God is the one who chose Jacob inside of his mother's womb before he ever came out to be one of the founding fathers of our faith, along with picking Jacob to be in the genealogy of the Messiah Savior, Jesus Christ, down the road. Yes, God walked with Jacob. He blessed him. And now God, at just the right time, has spoken to Jacob, and he told him, it's time for you to go home. You remember, he left home because his brother wanted to kill him because he was a liar and deceiver, okay? So whatever our plans are, here's the point. God's plans are greater than our plans. We, like Jacob, can either continue to follow our own plans from this point on, or we can start submitting to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus for us. Yes, it's a choice. Our plan, our God's plan. Which one will it be for you? A good piece of advice would be to examine your plan right now, and if God's purpose is not at the very top of your list, then maybe you should consider changing your itinerary. Why is that? Because us, like Jacob, just might wake up one day and find ourselves on the highway to nowhere in this life. Nowhere. Because here in this life, you know, Jacob found himself as a liar. Remember, he's the one that deceived his father Isaac. Jacob deceived his father to get his brother's family blessing. He also stole his brother Esau's birthright in a moment of his brother's weakness. That's again what drove him to run away from his home in the first place that he hasn't been back to for over 20 years because his brother again wanted to kill him. Then he ran to his uncle Laban's uh, house which was his mother Rebecca's brother. And he went there and Laban became his father-in-law. And Laban, as we've seen in the last few studies, was even a bigger deceiver than Jacob. Yes, proving to be a greedy, rotten double-crosser. Laban demonstrated that nothing was too low for him. He threw both of his daughters, not one, but both of his daughters under the bus by deceiving Jacob into marrying both of them. He didn't want both of them, but he got deceived into doing it, leaving the eldest sister, Leah, unloved by her husband for the rest of her life because Jacob only loved Rachel. I wonder if you have loved ones that you're willing to throw under the bus like Laban did to somehow benefit yourself to get ahead. Maybe throwing your spouse under the bus, a, a parent, maybe a family friend, a coworker, a neighbor. Maybe it's taking advantage of someone's kindness in your life. Remember, it all caught back up with Jacob. You can think you get away with it for a while, but it'll always come back around. Yet God, in his infinite grace and his mercy, he never, ever forgot about Jacob. And the same goes for you and for me. No matter where you are today in your walk with God, 
God has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. And if you will yield your life to him and yield your heart to him earnestly and completely, you too, no matter how hard the road gets or how tough your current circumstances have become, God is able to work on your behalf. As you know, we ended last time with Jacob obeying what God told him to do. Remember, he said in Genesis 31, God says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. And he told him, now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. Go home, young man, he was saying. Well, today we will watch as faith combined with obedience will work out all things for good in Jacob's life. Because when God is for us, listen, nothing will ever be able to stand against us, ever. Now remember, God is respecter of no man. God doesn't show favoritism to a man or a woman because of the color of their skin. Oh, we have all that going on right now, don't we? Oh, everything's racist and racism and all of this. And it's like, well, with God, the creator of the universe, there's no skin color to him. There's no shape of the eyes that makes any difference to him. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. In fact, God puts it like this because he doesn't care about our social status. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither a Jew or a Gentile, that's any non-Jew, doesn't matter to him. There is neither a slave or a free man. There is neither a male or a female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Remember, the very first man was one man. It was Adam. God formed him out of the dust of the earth and breathed his life into him. He caused that one man to fall asleep, and he pulled a rift from his side, and he created woman. And so there was one man and one woman. So it doesn't matter what color we are. It doesn't matter how you look and the differences that we can have as human beings. We are all made in the image of God. We'll pick up reading in Genesis chapter 32. We'll start, of course, in verse 1. It says, Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. And Jacob, when he saw them, this is God's camp. Yeah, I guess so. You got angels there. Might, might as well be God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. And he also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau. Oh, yeah, we're going to suck up here. Because his brother Remember, he was the man of the woods. He was a hunter. He was a man's man. He was big, and he was hairy, and he was strong, and, and everything that Jacob wasn't. And when he got out of Dodge, he had to get out because Esau wanted to kill him. So now he's a little bit of suck up here. Oh, thus you should say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban, and I stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 6, now the messengers, they returned because they had found Esau. And they said to Jacob, saying, well, we came to your brother Esau. We found him just like you said. Yeah, he is a big, burly guy. You know, it looks like he could be in the octagon. And furthermore, he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Oh, that's not good. Then Jacob was greatly afraid. 
he was distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, well, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. And Jacob said, oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. Verse 10, I am not worthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For my staff only I crossed this Jordan, talking about some 20 plus years ago, but now I've become two companies. I have all this stuff now. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and he will attack me and my, and my mothers uh, and the mothers and the children, my wives and their children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Wow. Wow, we've got a, everything brewing here for a high anxiety night here. Notice how we started, though. Angels come. And they meet with Jacob. Isn't this interesting? As soon as faith enters our heart and our life, Jacob becomes the faithful servant. God allows his angels to be an encouragement to him. And certainly they were. Jacob names the place Mahaniam, which means two camps. So Jacob's just saying like, man, we got the angels of God here. It's like two camps. It's like it's my camp. But more importantly, it's God's camp. He's got angels here. Now, Jacob realized that God was with him here and that, was, and that he wasn't traveling alone. Isn't that a great feeling when you know that God's with you? When God was calling me to Los Angeles, I said, well, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I would have went to New Zealand where I thought he was calling me at first. It's like, God, I will go wherever you want me to go as long as you go with me. I wonder, have you realized that in your life? Do you know that you're not traveling alone? We have all come from different backgrounds. Some of you have come from broken homes, abusive homes, while others of you have come from very loving homes. Yet no matter where we come from, we have to learn how to survive in this world for it can be a harsh place to live at times. I'm sure you know that. Yet we are not alone. I've been through valleys. I've been through hardships. You know, when you get older, you've got more life that you've lived. Me and my wife have been married for 41 years. That's not just like a couple of weeks. That's a long time. And man, we have found every valley. We have found every desert you could find. All I'm saying is, it's good to know that you're not alone. No matter what happens in this life, you're not alone. And just like angels were standing guard around Jacob, God has placed a hedge of protection around those who fear him. We're not to look or to pray or worship angels because we've got these angels here. You know, they, these are just beings that God created to serve him. But yes, they can appear to us just like they did here with Jacob. But it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen, and it still happens today. How many times have we ran into angels? We don't know because they can look just like humans, and we don't even know. So who knows what stories we'll have when we get to heaven? 
We're not to stand around, though, looking for angels. We're to seek God himself, not angels. For we have something much greater living inside of us. We literally have, if you're a true believer in Christ, you have the Spirit of God dwelling right in the epicenter of your heart. Jesus said in John 14, 16, after he was telling the disciples, I have to go. And they're like, no, no, that's not good. We don't want you to go. But he says, but I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, that he may be with you forever. He'll literally live inside of you. John 14, 26 went on to say, but the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Wow. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Man, he's just part of us. He's just like, wow, this is great. You know, this is awesome. We're told in Ephesians 1, 14, the Holy Spirit of promise who has given us a pledge of our inheritance with a view of redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. See, he uses there that word pledge of inheritance. So what God is saying is when you come to me, I give a piece of myself, the Holy Spirit, to actually live inside of you. That's my pledge to you. That word pledge in the original Greek language is like a word. It's like a contract. God is making a contract with you. This is my promise to you. I'm going to give a piece of myself to you to live inside of you. That's my contract with you. We know contracts, right? You go buy a new car. You know, they don't print out this little piece of paper. Oh, no, that contract. How is it that long? It's like that long. Oh, you got to sign here. Initial, sign, initial. Yeah, I mean, you're signing this thing like 15 places. What do you, what does all that mean? Do you read the contract? You don't read the contract, you just sign. The guy says, yeah, sign all these places I highlighted, and you sign everything. That's saying, you're going to pay for that car. But what if I lose my job? Doesn't matter, you're going to pay for that car. Well, what, what if it doesn't, you know, I don't like it anymore. Doesn't matter, you're going to pay for the car. What if I die? We don't care, you're paying for the car. You signed the contract, okay? So that's what the contract does. But God is saying, I'm making a contract with you, that I'm going to come back for you, that you're going to get to heaven one day. Because my Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you. Plus, it's a sign for the devil when he comes and he wants to destroy you. He can oppress you, but he cannot possess you. Because you have the Holy Spirit of promise sealed on your forehead. Yes, the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts. And is better than two angels in our camp. Yet at times, we have the Spirit of God and we have an angel in our camp. But getting back to our text, Jacob was blessed and encouraged by these angels. That is, until he got some bad news. And know this, there will always be bad news. Don't we know that? How long have you been alive on this planet? It's like, there's bad news. No matter how good things are going, bad news is always lurking in the shadows. And its desire is to steal our peace and to leave us filled with nothing but fear. To leave us filled with emptiness and total heartache. And what was Jacob's bad news? Verse 6 said, Esau is coming with 400 men. Oh, he's coming to kill me. All these years later, it's been boiling on him. He's going to come and, you know, slice me and dice me and make me into a Julian Fry. I don't know if he said that. I just put that in there. But anyway. But it's like he's coming after me. As you remember, when Jacob left home, it was because his mother overheard Esau's plan to kill him. Well, when we start reaping what we have sown, doesn't it cost us to face the reality? And that's exactly 
what's happening to Jacob. He realizes, you know what? You know why I just can't go walk back home right now? It's been 20 years and I still can't just walk back. And you know why? Because of me. I messed it all up. I messed everything up. It's like, it's my fault. So he falls in his face before God in verse 9 and 10. Notice he calls out the God of his grandfather, Abraham. The God of his father, Isaac. It appears that he doesn't even consider God his own God. I'm just coming to you because my grandpa, Abraham, and my dad, Isaac. Why again? Because his own sin was ever before him. He said in verse 10, I am not worthy of your love. Have you come to that point yet? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.